Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number 22 of the Road to Indie Insider. It's a breakdown podcast. My name is Rob Howden. And uh, just a couple of days since getting home from the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course and what I normally call the turning point of the Road to Indy season. It always seems that Mid-Ohio is that race where the, either the champions or the championship leaders step up and win some races and pull away or things kind of happen and all of a sudden everything goes upside down. And I think that was most definitely uh, the case at this particular uh, event. Uh, again, today, July the 31st, 2019, Mid-Ohio here on The Breakdown. And joining me today, uh, my good friend Steve Wittick from TSOLadder.com and Trackside Online. Steve, thank you so much for joining me. I do appreciate it. I know you're back home in Indianapolis. Uh, it's Wednesday following the race. Uh, all in all, I thought uh, a pretty exciting weekend at Mid-Ohio. Yeah, uh, definitely. How is it July 31st already? I know. Right? Doesn't I it feel did. like we were just in St. Pete like I, yes. a couple weeks ago? But, it's, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's it's nuts. I was yeah, out, I was at a workout today, and I said, "Jesus, tomorrow's August." I know it's this, crazy. I can't, right? I can't believe it. So, but but honestly, some interesting stuff happening road dandy wise. As we do in the breakdown, folks, we'll do kind of a race by race synopsis to kind of if you didn't get a chance to watch, you're able to get up to speed. Uh, Steve and I'll talk a bit about our thoughts of some of the stuff that happened each each race, and then we'll jump into the the the, the championship. We'll kind of look at where the points are. The race is coming down the stretch run. We'll talk about what certain drivers need to do and what they don't need to do. We'll start with Indy Lights. We'll move to Indy Pro 2000 and wrap it all up with USF 2000. But Steve, as an overview, um, I actually thought some pretty decent racing on a track that is very track, de- you know, track position dependent. Yeah, it was actually. It wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, driver up front stuck it, stunk it up, but behind him it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> right. But that it happens at that place sometimes. That uh, yeah, it's very dependent on qualifying and. Oliver Askew and that group uh, nailed it in qualifying and continued to nail it in the race. Well, I, let's just put it this way. It's it's, a, it's pretty easy to see Andretti has their stuff together. It's not like we're missing anything right now. They have, uh, they got a great program. You know, they did well last year with Colton Herta and Pato Award. Of course, Ryan Norman was in his second season. Um, so not surprising that they're going to roll out here. You know, any t- any time you can come to a track like Mid-Ohio, Steve, and you roll out of the trailer fast, and you're not having to take big swings. You know, walking up and down pit lane during Indy Lights, you can tell when guys have got cowls off, when they're bringing dampers out, you know, when, they, when they're bringing different springs out. Well, I don't care if it's IndyCar or Indy Lights. Same goes with with the other programs of Road to Indy. If you're taking big swings at the car during practice, then you know that it's not going to be an easy weekend. I think, you know, and Oliver said this in his uh, in his interviews, that really they were just like making minor adjustments all weekend long. Yeah, and that's sort of the way you're right. Across all all the series, including IndyCar, if you don't roll off well there, chances are you're not going to have a very good weekend. It's just it's hard to make the right kind of adjustments, and it's you know you just don't have enough practice time. It's hard to make the right kind of adjustments on pit road. You know, I was talking to an engineer, and they said, you know, yeah, we can make the adjustments, but it requires taking the car back, you know, and making huge yeah. changes, and they just can't do it. So if you don't roll off well, you're pretty much stuck with that. And especially Steve for a track like Mid Ohio, where you're really chasing the track every session. I don't care where we go throughout the, the a weekend, you know, the, the track is going to evolve. Uh, different rubber goes down, whether it's our, our Cooper rubber or whether it's the Firestone rubber or whether it's the stadium super trucks ripping our rubber off, <laughs> off the apexes like it happened here at Mid-Ohio. But this track, I think I'll, I'll probably, Steve, I, any of the tracks on the entire circuit, IndyCar included, this is probably the one that changes the most throughout a race weekend, like people will tell you testing a month and a half in advance isn't going to help the setup because the track's going to change so much, but it really does evolve aggressively from morning to afternoon to evening and from day to day. Yeah, it really does. I'd love to know what it is, but you're right. It's by far probably at least of the natural train road course is the one that changes the most. Some of the street courses obviously change, but yeah, yeah. but as far as road courses go, yeah, it's the one that you have to chase the setup all weekend long. And, um, you know, from the first uh, session to the last session, you've got something totally different on the car. And that kind of speaks to what you said about, you know, you can chase the chase the track, but you can't chase the track and a poor setup to start with. So kinda, <laughs> That's it. You know, you can do one because, or the other. If you have a yeah. poor setup and the track doesn't change, you might be able to chase in yourself into a decent setup. But here it's hard to do. 
yeah, track goes one way, you go the other way. You're not, you're even worse off than you were beforehand. That's, that's the biggest issue. All right. So let's start with a quick synopsis of race number one for Indy lights. Uh, You know, we won't go too much into depth, but the bottom line is uh, Oliver Askew, as Steve has already said, qualified on pole for both races that made things easier. Uh, One thing we'll preface with in the fine, in the final qualifying for race number two, everybody, uh, all, nine cars but one Oliver Askew started on a fresh set of Coopers in other words they used two sets during qualifying for race number two Oliver only used one set for qualifying he was able to because the car was so good because it rolled off so well he knew that he was going to be able to get the job done with just one set of fresh rubber he saves a set of Cooper tires he starts uh, on the pole for race number two with brand new rubber tougher on the opening couple of laps but once he got those things bedded in he was good to go um, so race number one, uh, Askew leads from the pole position. McGinnis, Robert McGinnis slots into second. He had started second, came in there. Um, everybody kind of getting rolling. Toby Sowery into P3, Ryan Norman into P4, and Renus VK, who didn't have a great qualifying run, especially considering the championship battle that he's in. Uh, he ends up uh, in P5. Opening lap, Aaron Tealett spins coming out of turn number five. Uh, we talked about the fact the track was a little slippery there potentially because of the uh, the, ru- the rubber getting pulled up by the stadium super trucks, which were the track the session before. They kind of pulled some of the rubber from the apexes, I think. Tealitz goes around. Yeah, I think goes a combination, yep. of combination of pulling the rubber up and putting on dirt onto the track. Yeah, it's yep. uh, uh, the, uh, That first uh, super truck race was pretty crazy with a lot of guys going. <laughs> I didn't get you at the stadium. Okay. into the dirt. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it was a combination of things. So, off the get-go, ask you out to an, in the initial lead. Ryan Norman able to get by Toby Sauer on the second run down to turn four. That's the end of the long back straightaway. Uh, and then on that same lap, Sowery, we're talking about the issues. Tealitz goes around in five. Turn number nine, Sowery goes around, does a full 360, continues. He would, I would I would say he was going to be able to continue, but get it back in the battle. But you fast forward to, I want to say, lap number nine, I think it was, lap nine or lap ten. Yeah. He ends up having trouble coming out of Thunder Valley a tough part of the racetrack. It's a blind uphill left-hander gets a little wide, gets four wheels off and can't recover ends up going around into the tire barrier to bring out the yellow flag. It was a, it was a actually a decently hard impact uh, for Toby. I, I didn't get a chance to go over and see the car, Steve, if you have any more information, what kind, what kind of damage? Yeah, was it? It, was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty heavy damage. Uh, Many, many trips back and forth between the Delara trailer oh, and the okay. racing uh, right. uh, tra- uh, tent. So, yeah, no, it was a pretty good impact for uh, Toby. But- so, of course, that brings the yellow out early on. But after that, essentially, everything settles in uh, on the restart. Ask you back out to the lead once again. Ryan Norman eventually gets by Robert McGinnis for P2. Renus VK comes by as well. So your top five was Ask you, Norman, VK, McGinnis, and David Malukas. About a four-second uh, win for Oliver Askew, and really, I got to think pretty much, um, Steve. That that I, I can say that qualifying kind of set the tone because Oliver was just so good. But you always have to think, yeah, qualifying's good. You're able to put a fast lap down. Can you do it? You know, over an extended thirty-lap period. The answer is yes. <laughs> a fast lap of the race you know, led from green to checker for Oliver Askew to score his second consecutive win. Yeah, and they had to be Yunkos and. Uh, VK had to be a little surprised because they led the uh, practice and I know they've been really fast yeah. in testing, but whatever they did between testing and or practice and qualifying, they, they obviously went the wrong way. I know they had pretty loose race cars in qualifying. So it seemed like that. Yeah. yeah. So they, uh, it was probably that, you know, that's a horrible way to start the weekend when you, well, it's a great way to start the weekend when you lead practice, but when you go into qualifying and then just get an absolute beat down and end up P6, it's got to be demoralizing. Well, and you think about the fact that Renus VK won here last year in Indy Pro 2000, so he knows the racetrack, likes the racetrack. And uh, again, I'm sure the, the qualifying sixth for race number one was, was not something that they were happy about at all. One thing we saw during the session as well, Steve, and I talked to Brian Bellardi about it a little bit. You can probably give some of your insight in terms of the way they maybe evolved or tried something new setup-wise. After the spin with Tealitz, you know, he's not in the championship battle. He's here to show that people that this team can win, like he did in Toronto. He's here to help out Lucas Cole, who uh, Brian told us will be back for 2020. Essentially, they used the remainder of that session, brought Aaron in, and they went to work. They uh, pulled, put different springs on the car. They made some adjustments ride height-wise as well, I think, to Aaron 
they Bellardi essentially used the rest of race one as a setup, kind of a, a chance to test for race number two. Yeah, and they actually I talked to Brian before the race, and that was going to be the plan right from the get go. They were okay. whether he spun or not. I think you know if he maybe moved into top three, they would have kept running where they were, but. Yeah. Uh, the plan was to use it basically as an extended test session and be able to come in and make changes and see what they could find. Cause it's not like the, the team hasn't been fast there before. Santa Yerusha won there no. for them. Um, you know, they've been quick there before, but I, they've, they've something went amiss. So I know they were trying to go back to what they'd found in the past and see if that would work. But I, I actually don't, not sure it did. I think so uh, my, st- my star of the race, uh, I went with Ryan Norman on this one. Um, you know, it's when it comes to my star of the race. And I, I like to explain to this people because sometimes I get a message and say, Hey, this guy dominated the race. Why is he the star? Well, m- my whole focus on the star of the race is to kind of find maybe that hidden story, you know, something right. that, that wasn't, wasn't the headline you're going to see on trackside online or whatever it may be. You know, it's, 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 was there a cool story coming through? Yeah. Oliver Askew probably could have got both star of the races. He led from the pole and ran away, but, Leading from the pole is pretty easy to do when the car is perfect. Um, for Ryan, what I liked was the fact started fourth, uh, got a good jump, you know, got a good start, which I think is important. Was able to slot into third, uh, you know, then he's able to to get aggressive early and go by Sour with a good pass. And thinking of Ryan Norman, right, hometown, a home state boy, mm-hmm. um, you know, he it's good for him to be able to get the job done there. I asked him at a, a Cooper Tire stage Q and A if there was any more pressure. And he actually said no. He said he didn't feel much pressure at all being at home. But I thought for him, starting fourth, up into second, as a pretty good run for him. So, you know, it's, it's, there wasn't a lot of other guys making anything happen. So I like Ryan Norman as my star of the race. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I thought Renus VQ had a right. good drive, too, to keep himself, you know, mm-hmm. you know, starting sixth, end up thirds. Not a bad result, actually, for him, too. And they... They seem to find more pace during the race, but it uh, it didn't turn out that the, it, you know, it lasted or it continued on through the weekend. But you know, yeah, you're, Steve, you're right. Ryan. You know what? Renus was actually the the second fastest guy on the track. Yeah. A one twelve eight fast lap for Oliver, a one thirteen flat uh, for for Renus. Uh, you know, he was three tenth on, on best time, three tenths quicker than Norman a half a second quicker than McGinnis, almost a full second quicker than Malukas. So they had the speed. And like you said, they were able to find more pace uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the race run, which again, great for, for Hunko's racing, but still lost some positions. Yeah. And I think it, it has to be said, you know, Oliver Askew set that quickest lap of the race by what? Three tenths almost, right? Two tenths without push to pass. Everybody yeah, else, everybody else's lap there probably had a push to pass lap, so it's pretty uh, very, very. Yeah, true. that's a pretty big uh, smackdown for me, anyway. Any anything else to add, or should I jump now into race number two? For no, I think that that's about it for that one. That's what I thought. Uh, all right, let's go into uh, race number two. Um, so again, uh, ask you from the pole had those fresh Cooper tires that he kept over that you know he held on to from qualifying. Uh, for race number two, uh, front couple rows get through kind of cleanly, uh, but we have a little bit of contact coming through turn number one. Dalton Kellett getting into turn number one, coming through the, for the first time. Uh, looks like maybe the front end washed out a little bit on him. Again, cold tires, trying to push hard. Robert McGinnis was kind of there as well. Uh, I looked to me in some of the replays that there was probably enough room, but it seems to me, and I think uh, – I actually went back and watched uh, the the NBC Gold of it as well. It looked to me like, and, and Anders Krohn said the same thing. Just looked like the front of Kellett washed out. He makes contact with the left rear of uh, McGinnis. Uh, you know, around they go. Well, actually, Kellett goes around. McGinnis just goes off. Uh, Tealitz has to make take avoid. Uh, you know, what, what do you call it? Um, evasive maneuvers. He goes full four wheels into the gravel, but gets back out. Uh, we go. We do go full course yellow uh, with. Uh, Kellett stopped in turn number one, but otherwise, uh, from there we, we go green. But just it's it's tough going into turn number one, Steve. Everybody trying to roll so much corner speed, and just that little bit of contact sent Kellett around. Yeah, it's really tough. Uh, you know, that's just an opening lap, first lap incident. You can't blame Kellett yeah. for trying to, to no. you know, take advantage of an opportunity there. You know, you get a good run off that corner, and you're going to run up the keyhole before you know maybe catch Robert, you know, off guard and get another position. Um, and it just seems to be that, that this track, 
you know, when we start on the front straight with the road to Indy, it, there's that clean side of the track and the dirty side of the track. And that uh, it, one side of the track just doesn't seem to be able to get away quite as well. And you get stuck on the inside there and you pretty much have to back out when you're on the inside there. Well, and you're right. That's exactly it too. You're running down the inside and obviously, you know, it was, I, I, can't, I think it was Ryan Norman was on the outside of Dalton kind of on the outside there. And, you know, of course Dalton's on the bottom and you're coming down that dirty part of the racetrack. And of course then the tires aren't going to get quite as much grip as you want and, and a little more shallow entry and the car just pushes out a little bit from there though. No issues. Um, Oliver asked you able to pull away. It ends up being a 5.2 second a race win to extend his uh, uh, win streak to three, of course, coming off the Sunday victory in Toronto. Uh, I like the battle at the end of the race between Toby Sowery and Renus VK. Uh, I thought the last couple laps were pretty exciting. You know, Renus holding a couple of push to pass, uh, uh, push to pass um, extras there, a uh, little extra horsepower, two of them, to, one between turn one and two, one coming out of the, 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 uh, the keyhole wasn't quite enough on the final lap, but I think that speaks volumes for Toby Sowery as well. This BN racing team kind of starting to gel here midway through the season or towards the second half. Yeah, they kind of struggled uh, to, um, they've fixed the, they hold on to the tires better than they did early in the season. They had some pace, but yeah. they uh, just didn't have a setup on there where Toby could hang on to the Coopers as long as he needed to. And they've seen to every keep each event now that Jeff Fickling's been there, they kind of keep digging in on it and getting closer and closer. And this was, I think, you know, as much as he, he had a spin on, you know, he had a neck mistake in race one. I still think he was one of the better drivers of the weekend, better pace wise, at least than what they had. Yeah. Had. So it would be well, interesting to see going forward what happens with them. And don't, you gotta, I think probably comment on the maturity of Toby when you could come back after an issue like that, uh, Steve on in race one, and not let it phase you in race number two. You know, I, I think some of the younger drivers may get down on themselves. I made a mistake, but you know, the team, you know, team worked hard, got the car back out there and Toby repaid them with a, with a, with a P2 finish. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. A lot of that comes from the, right. The European racing where he did, you know, British F3, where you race 30 times a year, right? So you have to come back. You're gonna, yeah. And when you race 30 times a year, you're going to have a bad event and you're going to have to come back from it. It's the way it goes. And I think that's sort of, you race weekend and race week out in Europe and you're, you've got to get over it. You know, you have to, and there's just, the teams will push you to get it, get over it. And, you know, we, Rob and I, you, we've talked about it before, but Toby Sauer is a professional driver, right? Like he's, yeah, he he's, he's a, he's a definitely a pro and uh, he's, you know, he's, great to have around the paddock not just for malukas but for the other drivers to see that you know this is how you have to race this is what you have to do you have to improve the team you have to work on improving the team and work improve on your game too you know his he's uh, learned the uh, rolling starts awfully well for someone who had never done it before too and really for toby coming in you know as kind of a mentor for david malukas as well right you know i talk a lot about some of the other teams like parker thompson working with able motorsports in uh in Indy Pro 2000, where they're really building a notebook of, of knowledge, you know, that, that database of what to have at every, every, uh, every track. That's really what's happening with BN racing, right? A brand new Indy lights team. Sure. They're going to have some, some information potentially from team Pelfrey. Uh, but I think the move to bring Jeff Fickling in is starting to pay off a little bit as well. Of course, Fickling made his debut at road America. Uh, and it takes a little time for, for everything to kind of settle in. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Jeff's contribution to where BN racing now is. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a work in progress still, but uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about those two coming back together next year with the, you know, basically a, a reworked team, the same team with Jeff. And um, I know they've moved the lights operation down to Brownsburg uh, and John Comiskey shop uh, this week. I think they did that. Right. So uh, bringing in another experienced person helps, um, I know they're looking at different engineers. They want to bring in a second engineer because Jeff, you know, is right now is engineering both cars, which isn't easy to do. Um, no, it's not. No. So, um, you know, they continue to make progress. And I think, you know, if they come back with that exact same duo next year, they could be really strong. Like, I mean, really strong. Uh, yeah. put a bit of a testing program in where Jeff can put his um, processes in place and get someone, you know, get, a, get some organization with, you know, Jeff or with uh, John. And I know Mike Marini's there helping that side of things too. So I think that team's a, it could take a step forward pretty quickly. 
Very interesting, of course. Uh, okay, so to cap it off, it's a 5.2-second win, as I said, for Oliver Askew. Toby Sowery, a good run to second. Renus VK, third, back on the podium again. Ryan Norman ends up uh, fourth, so a couple of top fives for Ryan. Keeps him in the championship uh, hunt. He's a ways out, but it's not over. Uh, David Malukas rounding out the top five in that particular run. My star of the race, uh, I went for Oliver Askew, um, Steve, only because I, I hate you hate to like completely snub somebody, but again, the job getting the job done, no issues whatsoever, uh, and was able to pull away. Great start, great restart, and uh, he ends up with a, with a win. I think I probably could have went for Toby Sowery as we've talked about it, the bounce back from the Saturday incident to be able to do so well holding off VK. But I went, I went with uh, Oliver Askew with this. Yeah, one. it's hard to argue with that. That's a sort of you got to give him that because the weekend was just so dominant. He uh, right. drove yeah. uh, very well, and you know he had some big news come out this weekend too. So he had to Heck yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, um, so I had found out that he was uh, going to be testing with Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, Portland um, International Raceway on August seventh, same time. Renus uh, is testing with Ed Carpenter Racing, so that should be interesting to see how that. Works out. Those two just seem to be joined at the hip. I mean, they can't get away from each other. So um, it, right? it's kind of it is kind oh. of interesting that they're testing together. But it's I think it's great. I mean, it's fantastic. You had Ryan Norman testing earlier, and um, you know, I think you might see Aaron Tealitz test at some point. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who ends up. Which of these, you know, I think both of them could move up. You know, and both could use another year. It's it. I don't. It's mixed. I have mixed feelings on it, right? They're both young guys. They both, uh, you know, it's tough. It's very tough. It's funny. I haven't heard talk of that. And that's, you know, I'm a, both of these kids, you know, they're, they're running here with, there's nine drivers in this field. It's primarily rookies, right? right? So, you know, the the primary returning drivers, Ryan Norman. So I don't want to say that this year's field is any less deep or talented than the years in the past. We've got some tremendously strong rookies. But there aren't, there isn't that second and third year guy other than Ryan Norman that they're having to battle against, right? So, uh, I think easily Askew and VK could come back and do another season to get even more experience. Now, of course, one of as them's we not know, come back. one of them's not doing that, right? Whoever wins the championship is going to move up, and and right now Oliver Askew in a great spot, and that segues into where we need to be right now, talking about the championship. But I do think that honestly, everybody in that paddock could probably use another full, full, full season. Even Aaron Tealitz, you know, even Ryan Norman, who's run three years, another season's not going to hurt anybody. Now we know Askew wants to move up with the championship. Uh, Renus VK potentially will move up regardless if he wins the championship. I spoke with Ryan Norman uh, when we did our Cooper Tire stage interview, and he said they are very close to putting a program together, even if it's just the 500 or a smaller program. Very likely Ryan Norman is going to be uh, at least shopping for a ride in the off season, which I think is interesting. And then, as you said, you're going to get Toby Sowery and David Maluka's coming back. Robert McGinnis is going to be yeah. strong next year. I'm hoping that he will be back with Andretti. I would yeah. assume he will, uh, you know, as a second year driver, there's just a lot of great stuff kind of settling in. Um, let's have a look at the series so far. We'll cap off with it, with this uh, six winners so far in the season. Oliver Askew, Renus VK, Ryan Norman, Robert McGinnis, Aaron Tealitz, and Zachary Clayman DeMello. Six wins for Askew, three wins for VK, a pretty solid 45-point lead right now for Askew. Norman back significantly as well. He's, uh, I want to say, let's say, what, 49 plus another, what, 30, uh, 34. So, yeah, he's quite quite a ways back still, 70-something points. Um, What do you think right now championship-wise for Askew? This is, uh, for me, just a quick tid before you go in. Here's a guy that's – you know, been running for championships almost all his life to a certain extent. You know, once he got to the upper echelons of karting, this is a guy who was racing for championships. He did it in USF 2000, won the title. Uh, he wasn't the guy to beat in, in, in Indy Pro 2000 last year. That was VK. But this guy is no stranger to, to fighting for a championship and knowing what to do. And I think that bodes very well. Number bodes well for Askew and does not make things super bright for Renus VK. Uh, no, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's definitely Askew's. Not quite his to to lose yet, but it's getting close. Um, yeah. I'm not willing to make any any predictions until after Gateway. Uh, you never know yeah. with the Oval. You've got, you know, 50% more points. You know, I just plugged it into my database. So if if Ask or if Renus wins and Askew ends up last, uh, you'd be 18 point difference in that. 
which can happen, which can happen at easily, an oval. right? It's an oval, right? So you never know yeah. with the oval. That's why I'm not ready to give it to Oliver yet. Um, I think Renus will come back strong. You know, he's gonna he's awfully determined young man. Um, yeah. oh, and you yeah. know, Ricardo doesn't like to lose either. Uh, that group doesn't like to lose. So we'll uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can come up with that. Uh, you know, for Portland and Laguna. Um, well, and let me th- let me throw this in here, Steve. This is in- this is why I-, I find it interesting. I didn't. I actually didn't do the points, and I probably should have did that. Do you ha- do you have the points for uh, two six? I'm just figuring how many points. Eighty three points back for Ryan Norman. Now here, let me just throw this out there because it's it's an interesting talking point. Ryan Norman won last year oh, yeah. at Gateway, right? His first ever win. He was able to pass Colton Herta for the race win. He go so let's just say he gets a chance to potentially win here. Well, he ends up, remember, winning at Gateway, and then you turn around, and he put it on the pole at Portland. Right. Just saying, it's not that he's, like, it's not like Ryan Norman's going to a place where you're like, Ryan's not going to be fast. He won at, you know, won at Gateway. This, he's going to go in with lots of, I don't say lots of momentum. He's got decent momentum after, after a good weekend at Mid-Ohio, but the confidence of having been able to win last year, and if he wins, if he, if he gets the 45 points, right. you know, the points and a half, and he brings him back into the fight a little bit too. He'll be a long way back still. But again, like we said, that what I what I added to that was you go to Gateway and then you go to right. Portland. And anytime you talk about Portland, there, you talk about the oh festival yeah, curves. Wow. And everything everything could change in the first two corners yeah. at Portland. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, definitely can. Remember we had uh, Patricio last year uh have him make a mistake in was it practice when they barely got it ready for qualifying, right? So that's right. He went off. He went Very off. easy right. to make a mistake there. Uh, not a wide track. And if you drop it, drop wheels there, you're, the barriers are pretty close. So it's not pretty easy to make a mistake there. And then Laguna's once again, a wild card. We haven't been there in a while. And um, yeah, so sure. no, it's, you know, Ryan, look at this way for Ryan to win. He's going to have to win three or four races of the last five. Years, right. Like, Agreed. No, no are- I agree. At, at least three. Yeah. At least three. You're right. All right, folks, that's our first segment here. We just uh, capped off and did the uh, the breakdown of the Indy Lights race at Mid-Ohio. Joining me today, Steve Wittick from TSOLadder.com and Trackside Online. Uh, if you're not yet a subscriber, it's 22 bucks, Steve? Yep, 22 bucks. $22 a year, guys. It's an absolute no-brainer. Just don't go out to McDonald's this week. You're good. Trackside Online, $22. TracksideOnline.com, Steve, is that's that correct? That's correct. You got it, Rob. I'm a subscriber. I don't have to go anymore. It just keeps coming. So you get, you can go to the website and get all the information, but they also send out um, all the PRs on your email, which is awesome. I use as a, as an IndyCar radio reporter, I use what they send a ton because I get these updates uh, every night when I get home. So tracksideonline.com and tsoladder.com. That's where you want to go for all the information from Steve Wittick. We're going to jump now into Indy Pro 2000. And again, just like Oliver Askew was able to get the job done, uh, Kyle Kirkwood got the job done as well. You know, I, I don't know what's going on in Jupiter, Florida, Man, Steve. Yeah. Uh, that's the home hometown of both of these kids. They also both came up through the Ocala Grand Prix karting program in Ocala, Florida, which uh, absolutely stacked with great tuners, uh, incredible um, driver coaches there as well. You know, Scott Speed's brother, Alex Speed was there. His dad, Mike Speed was there yeah. for a time. These guys had a ton of great training coming up, but Kyle Kirkwood, essentially, before we even jump into to the uh, race one synopsis, he's got oh, some yeah. momentum, even probably oh, yeah, more than sure. Askew. No right fans now. are butts about that. He's been, uh, yeah, mm. that uh, that group has been on fire since they got to basically Road America, Road America on. It's been yeah. nonstop, fast, fast cars right out of the box, like not just a little bit fast, but really fast. Yeah, exactly that. So, uh, four straight pole positions, uh, two of them at Toronto, two of them here at uh, at Mid Ohio. When we're all said and done, Kyle Kirkwood's won five of the last six races, and he has cut the championship down significantly. Uh, just thirteen points now between first and second. We'll go into that a little later. All right, so let's get started. Kirkwood out of the box, Steve, fastest driver, no doubt about that. Uh, qualifies on the pole position uh, in race number one. Stretches out to the early lead on the opening laps. We do have lap two contact between Jacob Abel and Daniel Frost down in turn number four. Pretty significant impact, actually. Both cars uh, sustaining uh, significant damage. Uh, I haven't seen any in-car. I'm not sure you have, but the reports to me are that Daniel was coming on the outside to four, that right-hander, the downhill right-hander, end of the straightaway. 
Uh, Jacob potentially moving over a little bit to set up for the corner. Contact made there. Damage to uh, Abel. Frost goes off, driver's left, and it ends up, and I don't think it was hard, hard contact, but anytime it's a race car versus concrete, damage to the car, all three corners, I think, for, for him as he got into the uh, the concrete. Yeah, it's a pretty, really big hit for Abel, too. I and mean, those yeah. guys were there till really late or early in the morning getting that car fixed. And yeah, I, uh, I haven't seen any on board. I talked to both drivers and, you know, they both sort of blamed the other one, but no one was really, <laughs> really strong in their conviction. So I'm going to say uh, racing incident because, okay. you know, I don't know. We need to, I need to see the uh, on boards before I'd really make a determination, but neither of them were overly strong in their convictions that it was, you know, right. the other guy's fault. They blamed the other guy, but it wasn't, you know, you know how you, you, can tell with the driver when they're agreed. Yeah. When they're really super sure that it's the other guy's fault. I don't think either guy was like that. So yeah, nobody was going on record slamming anybody. I I hear you. Uh, So tough and for Daniel Frost, obviously he was, he's in the championship battle or was in the championship battle that uh, took a pretty big hit with that particular DNF. He ends up finishing 13th, Jacob Abel in 12th. A rough day as well for Abel Motorsports on the whole as just a lap later, you know, before we go back to to, uh, to to green flag racing, trouble for Parker Thompson. He pulls off the racetrack as well uh, with, a, I believe it was the gearbox actuator. Yeah. If I'm not, mm-hmm. I think I got that from Logan. Um, Logan Knapp yeah. did everything they could to try to figure it out, but it was actually the gearbox actuator stuck in gear for, for yeah, Parker Thompson. Again, hurting him in the points as well, too. Not great. Yeah. No, not great at all. Uh, otherwise we go back to green and, and we're rocking 25 lapper, uh, Kyle Kirkwood pulling out comfortably into the lead. Rasmuth Lint second, Ian Rodriguez, pretty racy coming up there into the, uh, the third spot. One more yellow on lap number 21, uh, Moises De La Vera issue in turn number one, uh, goes off track. Eventually, I think it was turn one, eventually thought he could keep going, came back on the track and came to a stop at turn yeah. four. Right, I think that's yeah. where it ended up, right? Because there was significant damage to, I believe, the right rear of the car. So, yeah. uh, so we go yellow, back to green. Kirkwood's gone again. 2.7 seconds over just four laps. Rasmuth Lint, point leader, ends up in second. So he most definitely minimized the damage there. Ian Rodriguez, third on the podium. So RP Motorsports, Steve, as you said, man, they uh, they got their shit together right now. They are good. Uh, Nikita Lastishkin from uh, Exclusive Autosport has solid run to the fourth spot. I believe his fourth top five of the year in Stingray Rob, who I think uh, I, I can't remember exactly what happened to Stingray. Uh, he ends up P5, probably would have liked some more pace than that, but I, top of my head, I can't yeah, remember. Him and Rodriguez were running for second, and Rob, uh, they made a little contact in four. Oh, that's right. Yes. Four and- yes. Yeah, coming down yeah, to four. Yep. Yeah, oh, not much. It was, so, it was a very good move by Stingray, which I thought was awesome to see. Thank you. I like the move to the inside as well for Stingray. He, yeah, got, he, he got in pretty deep. The car rotated a little bit. Um, talked to some team members afterwards. No body work, like no look in the body work. No. But, and looking, number one, and looking at the video, race control says there was contact, wheel-to-wheel contact. I actually was at dinner. It was funny. I was at dinner with, uh, having dinner at one of the Mexican joints there and sit beside Robert Stout and Ken Stout. Robert's, of course, yep. a top driver in the MX5 Cup. Ken, a, a broadcaster from MAV-TV. I've worked with Ken Stout a couple of times. I had mentioned that someone told me that there was no contact, and they were. They said, oh, no, we were right there, and we could see Not it. Yet. You could hear it. There was contact between those two guys. So, okay. So now I remember. Uh, race control comes on and tells Stingray Rob, you need to give up that position to Rodriguez. So, of course, then Stingray's in the fifth spot, in the third spot, and you know how hard it is to give up one spot, oh, Steve. Yeah. So he tries to give up one spot to Rodriguez. Lastishkin, Nikita able to get back, get by at the same time, follows him through. Stingray ends up coming back in fifth. Thank you very much for the uh, the reminder of the contact between he and Rodriguez. That's what happened to Stingray, Rob. He ends up P5 when he probably could have had third. But I did you right. know what? Back to the before the full explanation, I like the move. I like the no, I like no, the aggression. No, 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 no. You know what? I'm going for this move. It was deep. Car rotated just lightly as he was trying to get the thing turned. Yep. I thought I, I like seeing that move from Stingray Rob because here's I think he's the next guy to win a race in this category if he can get ahead of uh, Kirkwood. I agree. Yeah. yeah. No. He's definitely uh, the aggression started to come there, which it needed to do. He's taking his time to learn, and yep. you know I think people forget we've had him around a while, but he's still only 17, right? So. 
Um, he's still got lots of time to, to continue to get better and he does continue to get better. That's, I love to see that out of a young driver, how each, you know, each year he's gotten better and there's no reason that can't continue. And you got to remember for, for Stingray as well, did not run USF 2000, right? He jumped right into uh, what was then the Pro Mazda category in its final season. So it wasn't a full nine race week, nine race schedule. Remember, it was just that, no. that shorter five, I think yep. we five races. I think we did, right? Was it five or six? Five I think events, it was five. Yeah. So just five events. So last year was really his full first season in the road to Indy because he only did five events in the older car, did well right. last year getting used to it, didn't have the experience. And that's why this year he's been so good. And, I, and talking to Stingray, anytime I do, you know, he's such a, he's such a mature, composed, yeah. just a great young yeah, man, right? And I like to see I like to see a bit of aggression. I like to see a bit of fire because I saw the fire when he was in karting. I love seeing it here as well. But every time we talk, it's him getting more and more comfortable, you know, with the yeah. car, with yeah. the engineers. I just think, I think everything's coming together for Stingray. He could easily do another year in, in Indy Pro 2000. I know he's going to want to go to lights. But I think, yep. I don't think, I think it's going to be even, it would still be really good for him, Steve, for one more year. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt him in the least. Yeah, he's young. He's still year, right? like, yeah. yeah. He's so young, yeah. like you said. No. So, so, yeah, no, I think he's, uh, no, he's definitely, come on. It's interesting. I talk, uh, obviously, we had big Alexander Rossi news this weekend. Well, I talked to Peter a fair bit this weekend, and uh, Alexander's dead, and he's actually managing Stingray. Um, and he thought after the weekend was over that this was Stingray's best weekend in the car. And I don't, I don't disagree. I don't either. Uh, I think I thought it was, but I know you'll talk more about what he did in race two. Cause that was a good race as well. Yeah. Let's cap off race one. My star of the race. I gave it to Kyle Kirkwood. And again, it's just like Oliver. You kind of look to see if anybody else, maybe, ha- you know, you want to give it to the winner, but you look to see if yeah. there was any other cool, you know, really amazing runs. And, and there really wasn't because we had some issues on track. Um, nobody else really stood out. So I'm going to go with Kyle Kirkwood because he most definitely stood out. A, a tremendous run for him all weekend long. It's just, again, just that model of confidence, you know, it just keeps happening. The more races you win, the confidence is there. The dialogue between the engineer and the driver, the trust that gets developed when you go on a win streak like this, you just believe each other. And I think uh, uh, Kyle Kirkwood more than deserving of my star of the race. What about you? Yeah, hard to uh, hard to argue with that. I mean, was I think his two qualifying sessions, he was four tenth up in each qualifying session. That's that's not that's unheard of, right? Like that's, just, that's ridiculous, really, when you think about it. Um, and it's not like his teammates that his Ian's very Rodriguez is very quick too. So it's you know he just it worked. He put the they gave him a good car and he drove the absolutely perfect laps with it. So agreed, yeah. He's on it. So let's let's move to Sunday morning, race number two for the Indy Pro 2000 category. And again, Kirkwood on the pole position, as we said, a couple of uh, a couple of yellows slow slow up. But let's first start off first and foremost because this changes kind of the, the dynamic for one driver, meaning uh, Daniel Frost. They come out of the carousel, green flag ready to fly. I'm watching from where we are in the, in the, you know, the Cooper tire tower, right at start, finish third floor. I think we're on whatever. Third, I think it's third floor. Yeah. Fourth floor. Right? No third floor. Um, I'm in the, the PA booth start. Seems absolutely perfect. Everybody rolls out. Kirkwood punches off. He's the, he's the, he's the pole sitter. No start. We go full course. Yellow. As, as they're coming around the corner to get rolling, all of a sudden everybody kind of stacks up a little bit of brake lock up. We got drivers 45 degrees in the air. Other guys are hitting each other. Uh, Antoine Camot loses a front wing. Sarah Valley's 45 degree launch mode. Um, There's a picture out there with both of the, with the, it looks like a simultaneous launch mode. Does it? Okay. Uh, I have to uh, put it out there, but yeah, there's a picture of them. Sarah Valley into the back of Lastishkin, I believe, cut his right rear. When it all, you know, it, when it all settles down, it just seems to me like guys in the back were kind of spooling up a little bit. But then I didn't see this at all, and I, I and again, I don't, I didn't have, I watched a couple replays that we had on TV. I didn't get a chance. Obviously, I'm, I'm not race control. They have all the camera angles. They end up penalizing Daniel Frost for not uh, maintaining a steady speed. From what I saw, it's not what I saw at all. Steve, do you have do you have any comments on that? I because don't. They, they, I put, they put Frost at the tail of the field. It looked. Normal, but I also know I talked to Stingray Rob after the race, and he said Daniel 
brake checked. So, you know. Yeah, but I never take it. I never take anything no, from a driver. Neither do I. I like stingray, but come yeah. on. Of course no. you say it's going to brake check. Yeah. You know, it's, so. it, it didn't seem to me coming out of and, and through the through turn 13, which is the left hander. I didn't, it seemed to me like the, the speed was steady. Yeah, it looked like they were together, but that series had that same issue. The the race on was it Saturday as well, right? Where they waved it off. So yeah, um, you know, maybe they just need to work on getting. You know, it was the same front two again. No, it wasn't last, but uh, no, no, but it was. That uh, yeah, wasn't. It was, no, yeah. Um, so let's so let's throw this out there yeah. though. So so it sets up Daniel Frost to put on a pretty good show. Oh yeah. Coming from the tail of the field. He ends up going all the way to the tail of the field in 13th and over a 25 lap run. Now did get that. He, he was able to work his way forward to, I want to say, I think actually just six. Yeah. I think he got to six. We had the yellow flag for the incident involving Moises De La Vera on lap number 19. Kind of gave Frost another shot at it. He was able to get by Rodriguez at one point into fifth, but then came back to sixth. Yeah. Uh, it was a good run for Daniel. He was kind of biding his time. He and his teammate Nikita Lostishkin further back. They worked together. Finally, he was able. They were all able to get by. They had to get by who? Sarabali first, then Philippe Dennis, and then Daniel finally getting by his teammate as well. So the exclusive drivers end up finishing sixth and seventh. But the bottom line is uh, Kirkwood dominates the action again. Uh, even with that late caution on lap number nineteen, we go back to green with tw- with five to go. He wins by three point four seconds. My star of the race though goes to Stingray Rob because you know you know he's got he's trying to battle with his teammate Rasmuth Lint. And within a team there's always the dynamics. Lint's winning races. He's leading the points. Stingray's got to keep himself focused on his own program. He went and passed his teammate, I believe it was in turn number one, a hardcore move to the inside. Car pushes wide a bit. He actually, you know, owned the corner. Yep. And like I always say, you own the apex, you own the exit. He definitely owned the exit. I like the fact again, just like Saturday on Sunday, uh, Stingray came out with the elbows up and I just, maybe Peter Rossi's right. Maybe that is his best weekend we've seen because he was certainly more aggressive. I think than we've ever seen. Yeah. Cause he made a nice pass of Parker Thompson. I think too was, I think it was Thompson on the restart. Wasn't it where he went in? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I know. And he passed Daniel Frost, you know, it's, it was a good, it was a good, good race for him. He kept it close. Um, you know, nobody actually read Kirkwood, you know, ran away a little bit in this race, but not as much as he did in the first race. So it was, yes, you're right. the other yep. teams made a little bit of progress, but yeah, it was tough for Parker. He's running second most of the race and then ended up getting passed uh, on the restart, which dropped him to fourth. But uh, that surprised me. Yeah, it did surprise me that he got, cause he kind of got chewed up there. He yeah. just, he just didn't get on the throttle fast enough coming out and, and he was able to get eaten up by, uh, by Rod. I think it was Rasmus, yeah. wasn't it? That got by yeah, him. It was. Yeah. So, uh, or was or was he a P, was he P two at that two at that time yeah and then Rob went to the inside in turn one and then that's it yeah, yeah. Well, Rob made that move in the that's race it. before to, in the um, Saturday's race too where he went to the inside of turn one which is a that's a that's a uh, you know a, a big cojones move uh, that is not, <laughs> that is not a passing corner normally so uh, it was uh, yeah, but you can't get it done you can surprise somebody there and it takes a lot of uh, guts and and skill as well to get it done and Stingray got it done so. Kudos to him. I like the really well. uh, I, I like the, the I like the top four drivers. They're all their fast times all within uh, two te- less than two tenths of a second. A one sixteen nine fast lap for Kyle Kirkwood, seventeen flats for Stingray Rob in second, Rasmuth Lint third, and Parker Thompson in fourth. Ian Rodriguez, as we said, able to get back around Daniel Frost in the final run there to take the fifth position. But all in all, pretty good run. Kyle Kirkwood, we'll just. Uh, We'll run. I, I said Stingray Rob for my my star of the race. I mentioned that already, Steve. What are your thoughts on star of the race? Anybody yeah, no, else hard to hard to out? vote against him. Another good, you know, it's it's interesting. Rasmus has just been doing what Rasmus is doing, and you know, I think he hasn't finished outside of fourth this year. So, um, but he's going to have to. I meant I asked him. I'm like, do you have to start winning races? And he says, I'm always been trying to win races, but you know, he's been smart and taking what he's got. He started that race in sixth, then ended up third. So that's. You know, they're yep, pretty yeah. good run, but he's going to have to start winning races. Um, and you, you'd think that if you went historically back and looked at this, at, at this kind of a run where he's got, you know, he's been so well, been so consistent that, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be either leading the running away with the championship, whatever it may be. He's obviously not running away, but it's really come down to a two, two horse battle, right? Yeah. Between he and Kyle Kirkwood. If Kirkwood keeps winning races, 
that's that old adage, right? right. We, anytime you ask a driver, like, are you thinking about the championship? And they always come back with that smart aleck remark of, of I'm just going to keep winning races and let the championship take care of itself. That's what Kirkwood's doing. Exactly. But to your, but to your point, Rasmus Lint needs to win a couple more races here. Cause remember winning gets good points, but it also, when you win, Kirkwood's not winning. Exactly. That's the key, right? Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, it's uh and I think this one, this was going to be one of those ones where I haven't uh, gone through to double check on who's got what uh, as far as bonus points between those two, but this is going to be one of those ones where that might come into play. Yeah. We never talk about that. Uh, you know, early on, it's those bonus points for most laps led getting on the pole, that kind of thing. Uh, 284 points for Rasmuth Lint, 271 for Kyle Kirkwood. He uh, makes up a bunch at Mid-Ohio, gets it down to just 13 points. Parker Thompson back by almost 50, 48 points behind Rasmuth Lint. So Parker Thompson's not out of it yet either at all, especially knowing that we're going to the Oval nope. uh, at Gateway. Uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, I believe. I think that is correct, Yes. I'm going to keep working on that one. Uh, Daniel Frost in fourth in points and Stingray Rob fifth in points. Again, that's it for Indy Pro 2000. Let me grab the next set of sheets. Let's cap off this podcast. Steve Wittick from TSOLadder.com and Trackside Online uh, joining us. Let's jump into the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship. Some cool stuff to talk about here. No real runaways, but a couple drivers really flexing their muscles, I think. Uh, no doubt about that, um, I'm Steve. Let's start with... Uh, a good qualifying run for Hunter Macaray. He ends up qualifying on pole for race number one. Off pole, Christian Rasmussen, his fourth straight front row start. And Steve, from the very get-go, Rasmussen jumping out into the lead. He kind of tucked, you know, let Hunter pull away, tucked in behind him on the green, and then made the move in turn number one. I like I like that aggressive move early. Yeah, he did that. Uh, what, he made a good turn one pass of, or a lap one pass of Hunter in Toronto, too. So that's kind of, you know, he's been very... Uh, very smart on the starts where he'll he'll just wait and, and wait till the he has that exact opportunity to make a pass of the pole sitter. He's done got it. He did it twice twice in two races. Didn't yeah. It was it was Darren Keene in Toronto, yeah. right? Yeah. He went by yeah went by Keene who started on the pole. That's right. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, he's been uh, he they, um you know bit of a rough start to the season with those guys, but they uh, brought on uh, Lou D'Agostino I think halfway through the season. And uh, since that point, man, they, they've been they've been fast. They've been fast. They have. Uh, yeah. So uh, one yellow, just to do a quick synopsis of the race itself. One yellow, uh, the rookie driver, Timmy Peglioso, who is the right rear tire changer for Takuma Sato, running uh, with Turtle Plastics, a great sponsorship, uh, his debut weekend. He ends up going off in turn number four into the gravel. Better run for him in race number two. They go back to green, and essentially Rasmus just just pulling away. 9.5 second win, but I'll tell you, uh, uh, Steve, I battled for, for second, third, fourth, and fifth with pretty fun to watch. You got Matt round Garrido, uh, you know, on a bit of a moment, momentum run with BN racing coming off the podium in Toronto. He finds himself in, in second Hunter Macri and, and Colin Kaminsky right there because Paps racing was unbelievably good on the weekend. We'll talk more about how they rolled off the trailer, but I love that battle for second. That was super fun to watch. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Hunter headed early, and then um, Ron Garrido got back around him. And I know after the race, when I talked to Hunter, he wasn't too happy with uh, Matt uh, defending there in the middle part of the race. But he did <laughs> get back by him. I think I think it was a four laps ago, maybe. Um, but he, he well, I, and it was coming take him when that happened. Out of seven, yeah, out of seven through eight and nine, right? Didn't I think? Yep. Uh, Hunter was able to get kind of to the outside coming through turn eight, which is madness. The kind of rise up under the bridge and then Kaminsky streamlined all the way through with him. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Macaray and Kaminsky going to, th- to second and third. Um, pretty impressive run. Let, let's, let's just say it, it, it ends up with Rasmussen winning uh, Macaray in second Kaminsky third. That's the podium round Garrido, another top five finish. He ends up in the four spot. Paps racing in fifth and sixth as well. Bruno Tomaselli and Yuvin Sundaramurthy. Augie Paps' team, he and uh, and, uh, and Tony's Casamitz, they've been working hard. And, man, that's that has to be probably the strongest they've unloaded at a racetrack that maybe wasn't Road America since they've started. Oh, yeah, by f- for sure. They, uh, you know, they think they were, they qualified, what, one, two, three, four, four, five in the first race. Yep. They were fast, out of the box, and... Um, their drivers were fast out of the box and it, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's always interesting for me because it's always a good track for Tony's too, right? When he raced uh, USF and Atlantics, he always did well here. So it's sort of uh, it sort of suits him, and I think his drivers have started to take on a bit of his personality. Um, you know, they were fast here last year too. If I remember, Kalen was on the pole. Um, Rasmus was quick, but they had uh, those two uh, ran into each other like they were apt to do. I don't, she don't think they did, but I think. Uh, Kalen hit a few things and that uh, sent backwards, but um, yeah, they were quick here last year. So it's, you know, I think the big story is what, how much Cape struggled. Yeah. I was going to say, what do you make of that? They, they didn't. uh, So, yeah. Well, they, you know, some young drivers, you know, one of the things that, one of the things about mid Ohio is, uh, and, and I've driven it in many different things. It's a driver's racetrack. There's no doubt about that. You know, you, you have to be, confident in your own what you can do you know you got to be able to you got to be able to work those pedals on this racetrack because off camber corn so many off camber corners the car gets so light you have to place it in the right spot i I don't know it just they were seventh eighth uh ninth and twelfth and you know when have we went to when have we went to mid-ohio and had anybody but cape motorsports winning i'd have to go back right yes it's been a while uh it's been a while it's been a while i have my notes here hang on let me grab my notes um, you grab your notes. I'll talk about the fact that uh, Christian Raspis and I went with him as my star of the race only because coming off of Toronto, uh, in such this championship is so tight. Cause you, yeah, you got Braden Eves, Darren Keene, that these guys have won races, you know, you've got uh, Hunter McAray, a race winner, Colin Kaminsky's getting ready to, to win his first race as well. And it, just to have so much competition, Rasmussen, Again, continuing his strength in qualifying off pole starting spot takes the lead. I just uh, he's definitely my star of the race. Yeah, they'd won thirteen of the, or twelve of the last thirteen races there. So twelve of the last thirteen races wins for Cape Motorsports at Mid Ohio. Twenty eight in total. And, uh, Cape, wow. Yeah. Yes. And and they bring Jack Crawford on, who was with D Force Racing earlier in the year. Uh, Crawford comes on. He ends up leading the team. Uh, qualified in the eighth spot. Um, yeah, they all essentially qualified eighth, ninth, and tenth. They moved up one spot. Crawford ends up seventh. Braden Eves in eighth, and Darren Keenan in, in in ninth. It was, uh, man, I, it was. It, as an announcer who's called all those races, it's really it kind of really caught me off guard, to be honest, Steve. No, it did too. It caught me off guard too. I did not, you know, I knew the Paps would be good, but I didn't think they would be that far out in front. Um, it didn't last quite. It wasn't quite the same way in race two, but it, they still they were still then. Jay Howard, like those, that was an impressive run by Christmas, Christian Rasmussen and that group to put that together as well. Um, one, of, one of the issues was we did have a couple of red flags in the qualifying sessions. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, 17 cars isn't a ton. We're not talking about a 28, 29 car grid, but I think a lot of drivers struggled a little bit, you know, getting onto the racetrack, maximizing and extracting all the speed they could out of the tires that they had, getting open track with the red flags. I just think, you know, if, if you don't play your cards right, if you're not out, if you're not doing the right thing, getting out, getting open track, and laying laps down, you can find yourself in trouble, right? Yeah, and there's quick. just not, not good qualifying runs for those drivers. And then you look at the qualifying that we saw for race number two. You know, Crawford ends up qualifying seventh. Braden Eves qualified sixth. Darren Keene couldn't find any open racetrack. And then there was a number of drivers that got penalized for too much speed through a yellow flag area. And I love seeing when they do that, because I think yeah, you know, that comes, that comes from carding. Yep. Uh, nowadays, carters see a yellow flag. They don't even lift. They just keep going, which is wrong. It's just, someone's going to get killed because the, the drivers just aren't lifting when they see a yellow. Well, that's not happening with Jan Hale and the USF 2000, which no, I like. He's looking at, if there's a yellow flag and he, and he's going, they're immediately going to look at lap times. If your lap time is, if you just turn your best lap time and there's a yellow flag on the racetrack, you're going to get penalized. So a number of drivers got penalized. Darren Keene being one of them, he ends up starting 17th position in race number two. We'll talk more about that. But uh, your old race race two gets rolling, Steve. And really, the front row, I think, realizing what's going on championship-wise, they wisely pull away. McElroy ends up pulling away. Rasmussen with them the whole time. We go green to checker, which is great, in race number two. But that front-running duo, flat checks out by eight seconds uh, over Colin Kaminsky. But that front running duo was together the whole time. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was a uh, very good driving by both of them. Uh, fantastic defensive driving by Hunter to keep 
Christian behind him and good job by Christian to keep everything clean too. I know they looked, looked at him a few times, but never could get it done. Agreed. Uh, Colin Kaminsky continues to show good pace, uh, you know, top five, top three pace. He gets another podium in third. Uh, Zach Holden, uh, nice to see Zach coming back. He was 10th uh, in race number one. He was fourth for Legacy Autosport uh, in in race number two. Uh, I, I like seeing Zach, uh, you know, with a team, running well, staying out of trouble. He had one good race in Toronto, one rough race uh, where he got into the tires a little bit. But, uh, you know, Zach's a, uh, Zach's a kid with a lot of talent. He just needs to put together the budget for a full season so that he can settle in. Nonetheless, good run for him. Jack Crawford, 14 years old, uh, his debut weekend with Cape Motorsports. He ends up in fifth. But for me, star of the race went to Darren Keene because, man, it was a ton of fun to watch. We weren't actually covering. The TV really didn't look too much. If you, if you watch Road to Indy TV, not a lot of time on McElroy and Rasmussen up front no. because we were watching Darren Keene come through the field, the battles that were going on with Eves, Suleiman, uh, Reese Gold. Uh, you know, Bruno Tomaselli was in there early on, Matt Round Garrido. But it was – we were watching the battle. Darren Keene – he just made some unbelievable moves to get forward, both on the inside of turn four, on the outside of turn number four. Um, I think what you saw was a driver who had much more comfort in the car. They made a ton of changes, yeah. wholesale changes overnight to his car. Steve, you can talk more about that because I'm sure you worked the paddock. But uh, it was a, it seemed like it was a different Darren Keene on Sunday. Yeah, it definitely was. They uh, yeah, whatever they discovered overnight, they'll you know you know the Cape brothers. They're not going to tell me, but. Uh, Whatever they found, they were a lot quicker. I think Darren was, you know, they were right there lap times on in Sunday's race, whereas Saturday's race, they were still slow during the race, but they'd, uh, by Sunday, whatever they found, it worked. Um, you know, Crawford came in fourth, Eves seventh. Um, Eves probably should have had a better result than that. He got knocked off track early by uh, um, Miller, I think it was, who tried to turn uh, pass in turn nine, which was an interesting place to pass, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, he fell backwards, I think, to 11th or 12th and moved his way back up through the 7th. So, uh, yeah, no, they definitely the, – the Cape guys definitely found uh, something, and they're, they're going to have to find something. You know, this track – you know, we end the year at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, and this track is – you know, Mid-Ohio and Laguna Seca are notoriously similar tracks, right? Like, if you do mm-hmm. well at one, you do well at the other. Um you know, and that, that runs across IndyCar, that runs across a bunch of different series. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, if they've made a, more gains as they get to get further, you know, closer to the finale. Yeah, Darren Keene, my star of the race for that run from the back. Yeah. And I, I, it's interesting because that's, you know, you, you obviously look at drivers doing something and I know, I'm sure Keene would have rather been out front and not been considered for, yeah. for driver of the race, a star of the race, just because he would like to have pulled away and made it boring. But starting 17th, moving up to sixth, actually with the third fastest lap of the race, the only drivers quicker than Darren Keene uh, in the main event were Hunter McElroy and Christian Rasmussen. So again, McElroy, Rasmussen, Kaminsky on the podium, Holden, in fourth, Crawford fifth, Keene sixth, the point leader Darren uh, Braden Eves rather in seventh. Steve, as you had mentioned, uh, let's look at this championship now. Uh, we'll have a look at that, then we'll kind of talk about the next racing coming up. Uh, Braden Eves now with just a nine point advantage over uh, Hunter McElroy. Uh, Darren Keene fifty three points back. He's not out of it, uh, but again, we'll have to win a bunch of races, like you said and have to have his teammates struggle a little bit if he's going to be able to claw back that many points over just four more rounds. Uh, this has come down to essentially a, a three-driver battle, a couple of capes, and Hunter McElroy. But McElroy's the guy that's got the momentum right now. No doubt about that. Yeah, he's driving really well right now. Um, it's kind of it's good to see. Uh, he kind of got down. He was driving well early in the season, but he kind of got down on himself, and um, he's kind of picked it back up where he's, you know, I think if anybody gets a chance, obviously you know Rob, and I know that, he's a he's a genuine he's just a lot of fun to be around he's you know yeah he's great to talk to he's he shares he's friendly he's always smiling um but you can also see when he got down on himself early in the season but uh you know i don't think he thought uh, after toronto race two that he might be in this position and he was on sunday afternoon he was tickled that you know he knows he's got a good chance at it now and it's just a matter of you know, continuing to get the, and again, it comes down to those bonus. It did another one of those championships where, you know, with your nine points with four races to go, you're going to be starting to look at it, those bonus points and, you know, those quickest laps. And, you know, we had a, what was it? Indy lights in 2014 came down to 
bonus points, right? Uh, and still came down to second yes. place finishes. Yep. Yep. Gabby had right? thrown down a late lap at uh, Sonoma. He wouldn't have been championship champion. And then it, you know, you know, it's quickest lap and leading laps and and getting with poles. It adds yep. up quickly. So, so use that as well. If it, this is so close in this USF 2000 category, Braden Eves with five wins right now, Hunter McElroy, uh with just yep. a two. Now there's still four more races to go. Hunter McElroy is going to want to get some more wins to potentially get to that tie uh, for fifth position. You never, for, for five wins, you never know what's going to happen. One interesting tidbit going to Portland, Darren Keene was with Newman walks last year. Didn't run the finale. Didn't run Portland. Elected to stop the season, didn't run Portland. So he's never does have no experience there. Hunter McElroy, no experience there. Braden Eves, rookie in the series, he made his debut last year with he actually ran with Newman Walks last year at Portland. So there's just to add a little more fuel to the storyline, Braden Eves did that one off and was really, really good with Newman Walks last year. Uh I, I don't have the results in front of me where he actually finished. Five, I know that. But I know well, that like- he yeah I, yeah, I was gonna say he was qual- he qualified top yeah. five like he did well so so that's gonna give maybe eves a little more confidence rolling into that that weekend knowing as well of course that kyle kirkwood was able to win there last year uh with cape motorsports so the setup's gonna be good he's got some experience there if anything plays to eves to take away take a little of the wind out of the momentum sale of hunter mackery it's the experience at the racetrack yeah oh yeah definitely um Luckily for Hunter, though, they do have one test day there. So uh, on yep. Thursday, they've got a uh, promoter test day. So he'll get a little bit of a chance to take a look at the back. But, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, and then Laguna Seca. Yep, where nobody has any experience. And the crazy thing about that track, it, it, it's like Mid-Ohio, as you said, in terms of the fact that it's not the easiest place to pass on. No. It, it really is. It's not, it's not easy. And track position is going to be key. Qualifying is going to be key. Whoever rolls off the trailer first may have the the, the heads up, but uh, man, we got a championship for sure. Great battle to see who's going to win the scholarship for Indy Pro 2000. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was just uh, going through some of the point stuff earlier today, and I, you know, looking at the team points, and Cape had a huge lead for a while there, um, but now it's back to where I think it's actually nine points. Separate. Nine points. Yeah. Nine in that in the driver and the team championship, and I know you know the team championship, you know, isn't a isn't the driver championship, but I know. Augie and then the uh, Dominic and Nicholas all want to win that too. There's a, there's a trophy that goes with that. And uh, you know, it's something that they take great pride in. So they both, both will want to win that team championship too. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you on that. Otherwise, Steve, we're wrapped up. Any other final words uh, from our event at mid Ohio? Great weather. That's for, for, you know, for the first time in a while. Perfect yeah. weather. Perfect. Not a drop of rain and perfect sunshine. Nice temperatures. Not too humid. No, it was awesome. Let's. Uh, I'll give kudos as well to the Green Savory crew. Um, you know, obviously the, the four races that we we go to, uh, Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg. Kudos to them for the extension to two. I think it's twenty twenty four. Yeah. Toronto, a fantastic weekend. I talked to Jeff Atkinson on the weekend. The biggest, one of the biggest weekends they've had in Toronto, and I think the last fifteen years. Good. You know, good numbers. And that that plays as well, just to the the growing um, popularity and I think it's support for IndyCar. Uh, I had a chance to talk this weekend. Jeez. I, yeah, I, I, I talked to Craig Rust as well, the yeah. president of Mid Ohio on IndyCar Radio. They sold out. They sold out. Par, uh, what do you call it? Camping. Yeah. That place was jammed. Oh, jam packed. It was awesome. We've had big crowds with, in the last few years, but I think it was even bigger this year. So that's. I think so too. And then, of course, Portland being the second year on the schedule, they you know all the stuff that you had to do the first year that was so difficult and getting things put together. Uh, the Green Savory team, of course, you know, they, they're they a big team. They they play off each other. The staff from St. Pete comes up to these races. Yep. Mid-Ohio sending some guys out to Portland. The Toronto guys will be out in Portland as well. Everything they learn at all these tracks, all these events, plays on. And you got to think, Portland was a great turnout uh, for the, you know, the return. Not only just to kind of get things reestablished at the racetrack, but to reestablish everything in Portland as well. Exactly. IndyCar fan base, right? Exactly. Um, I'm expecting a really good weekend when we get out there on Labor Day. It should be fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one a ton, actually. But first, Gateway. Gate, yeah, Gateway first. Uh, again, USF 2000 Portland, but we go to Gateway, as we said. Championships very tight in both Indy Pro 2000. Not so much in Indy, Indy Lights, but as I said, there's storylines there in Indy Lights with Ryan Norman winning last year. If Ryan can come in and, and go back 
to the front, back to victory lane. Yep. That that changes everything again with, with as you said, Steve, points and a half, right? Exactly. Uh, 150% points. So, all right, Steve, um, let's wrap this thing up again. If people want to subscribe to TracksideOnline.com, they just go on the website. Everything's easy to peasy from there. You got it. Go to TracksideOnline.com and uh, hit the subscribe button and you can, that'll get you IndyCar and uh, Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires News. Uh, if you want to just go get the uh, Road to Indy News, go to TSOLadder.com. Uh, you can subscribe to that. Uh, if you use the, if you you get in there and you want to subscribe, it's normally $10. If you use the code Cooper, uh, you'll get it for free. Um, our friends at Cooper are, helping people out there. We want to exist. get as many people, get that, get that content as possible. Uh, it'll, it'll uh, email you the race reports and everything I do directly to your inbox. So you don't have to go out. You just go to your inbox and read it from there. Folks. It is a no brainer. It's $22. If you're an IndyCar fan, if you're a road to Indy fan, trackside for 22 bucks, you get all their IndyCar coverage and all their road to Indy presented by Cooper tire coverage as well. And number one, if you're an IndyCar fan, get it. It's great insight. You know, I, I know there's different or, different media outlets you can go to. This is another one. This is another one with, with a little different approach, a little different uh, focus, which I think is fantastic. It's only $22. Not only is it good for you, but you're supporting people in this sport. And again, as we see some journalists and other bigger organizations getting dumped and getting fired and them dropping coverage, it's important to support the people that are at the track every weekend making this happen. Steve Wittick and Patrick Stefan, of course, uh, being two of the best. We do appreciate you being with us, Steve. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, this is episode number 22 of the Road to Indy Insider. Steve Wittick and I breaking down the events at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Three more events left to go for uh, Indy Lights and Indy Pro 2000. Just the two races at Portland and Laguna Seca for USF 2000. But there is uh, essentially... Some big bucks still up for grabs. Scholarships for the drivers to move up from USF to Indy Pro, from Indy Pro to Indy Lights. And we'll see whether or not Oliver Askew can continue to hold that lead, which would give him three events in the NTT IndyCar Series in 2020. Odd to say 2020, but again, (laughs) uh, if he does that, he will be attempting to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. Again, folks, on behalf of Steve Steve Wittick from Trackside Online and TSO Ladder, thanks to him for being here. I do appreciate it. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.